So frequently there have been times uh, where I have come to uh, prepare for this week's sermon, and a text picks me instead of me picking the text. Um, and oftentimes it is a text that I really don't want to hear that week. Um, I don't want to live into that week, um, and I am tested in every way over the course of that week. Uh, it's, it's a challenge for me. And, and this Sunday in particular, I wanted something that, that would kind of fit well with, with where we are as a church, also fit well with where Elena is as a graduating senior um, as we celebrate uh, her graduation and this next season of life, but something that, that could speak well to all of us and where we find ourselves. And so that's what I was looking for, and I couldn't really find anything that fit all of that. And so the lectionary text for this Sunday is 1 John chapter 5. And then the text picked me. I've been at Pepperdine for this last uh, several days, uh, enjoying the Pacific breeze and uh, some of the lectures along the way. And uh, it, was, it was a great time to, to be fed, to be nourished by gifted preachers and teachers, a time to, to be with others uh, from here that, that have traveled together, a time to literally breathe some different air and take a breath and check out the scenery. It's a time to gain a little bit of perspective. But for those moments that we have of, of looking out across the ocean or whatever the place is for you, those moments of, of taking a step back and gaining perspective, uh, the all-too-common state for us is more a state of stress, a state of anxiety, because as, as a people, as a, as a country, we are the most stressed out country in the world. That over the last several decades, the U.S. has become a champion in this area. We are ranked high in this stress. According to the American Institute of Stress, yes, there has to be an institute on stress. According to them, uh, stress-related illnesses cost our American economy $300 billion a year in medical bills and lost productivity. Stress is an e epidemic thing here and a costly thing. 44% of Americans say they feel more stressed than they did five years ago. And one in five say they have experienced extreme stress that manifests itself in symptoms like heart palpitations, shaking, depression, physiological things that come from stress. They even say that three out of four visits to the doctor are for stress-related ailments. Psychologist says the average high school kid today has the same level of stress and anxiety as the average psychiatric patient in the early 1950s. It is literally driving our kids crazy. And so these statistics 
are overwhelming, especially since we live in a country that seems to have so much. We seem to be in a place where we should stress the least, not the most. We're relatively secure. We're relatively wealthy. We have high standards of living. We have availability of technology and modern medical care, yet we are the most stressed out. Places that that lack some of the basics like food and security and clean water, they report lower levels of stress. And so what is it about our way of life, about our state of being, that leads to such a high level of stress and anxiety? Of course, this leads us to the opposite, and we see the spending of billions of dollars on stress-reducing things. Things like health and fitness clubs, vacation resorts, beauty and health spas, health foods, massage chairs, sleep aids, and any number of kind of entertainment sources or social media designed to distract us from the reality of our lives. And so despite the billions of dollars that are spent on trying to de-stress our lives, we just can't buy peace. It's not something that can be purchased. And so this morning, as we look at 1 John chapter 5, we, we get a picture of what it means to have peace. In the first four chapters of 1 John, we have two primary focuses that emerge. The first is this idea that, that God is light. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. God is light, in him there is no darkness. But it seems like this darkness weighs in on us. There's a second message that we should love one another. So God is light, and we should love one another. And in 1 John three eleven, it says, For this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another. God is light, and we should love one another. And because God is light, John is encouraging us to walk in that light. And if we're walking in that light, then that empowers us to have the kind of fellowship and the kind of relationship with God and with others. The light is the source of the redemption that we have. The light is the source of the forgiveness that we receive through Christ that allows us to love God and to love others. And because God loves us enough to to send his own son for us, that allows us to be able to love one another because we're not often lovable people. But we can love one another fully because of what God has done in us and for us. John says throughout uh, 1 John, when we love others, then, then we have life instead of death. When we love others, we we experience the indwelling of the presence of God. When we, we love others, we are being obedient to Christ and to the Spirit. Loving one another and walking in the light are totally interdependent of one another. You can't have one without the other. So, so to faithfully walk in the light, to faithfully love one another, has to be backed up by faithful living. 
That we, we have to live a certain way if we're to love one another. And it's this interplay of walking in the light and loving one another that's, that's at the very core of God's commands. 1 John 4.21 says, And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister It's not optional. It's not something that you can tack on if you get to it. It's saying if you love God, then that will be seen through our love for each other. You can't have one without the other. And so that gives us a quick snapshot into chapters 1 through 4. So we get to chapter 5, verse 1. And remember, as, as we read through this, these themes of walking in the light and love for others. Everyone, John chapter 1, chapter 1 John 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. This is how we know that we love the children of God. By loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. And so as we think about this overstressed world that we live in, we're you know, full of stress and anxiety in the place that we are at, what message of hope does John give us? What encouragement is found here? What, what comfort is there? As we read through this passage, we see that, that first and foremost, we are children of God. That in the first verse there, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. We are children of God because of our belief in Jesus. Think about the people that John is writing to here. They had every reason to be stressed out. This early church is, is in an environment where, where they are under persecution and harassment for their very confession in the faith of Jesus. They're losing their livelihoods. They're, they're being um, thrown out of their communities because of their association with the message of Jesus. What a stressful place to be. As, as we gather this morning, are we concerned that someone might come barging in the back door to arrest us all because of this gathering? We don't sit in that kind of stress in this moment. And so they're dealing with this uncertainty. They're dealing with this persecution. And instead of being beaten down, the early Christians actually thrived in that. In the midst of the stress of persecution, the church grew. 
the first few centuries of Christianity, there was this explosive growth in numbers and influence until the early fourth century when it actually became the dominant worldview, the dominant faith of the Roman Empire, the very Roman Empire that was seeking the church's destruction. And so how does such a drastic shift happen? As as a witness to the life of Jesus, John sees who Jesus is and gives us a clue as to, to who Jesus is and the peace that is found in him. For John, the way to peace didn't involve swiping a credit card and purchasing the next gadget. Rather, it involves remembering the gift that God has already given us remembering the truth of who Jesus is. 1 John 5 tells us that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. To believe in Jesus Christ is to be a child of God. And so we can strive for our own security. We can look after our own solutions. We can think that we have our own plan. But that's not what is going to to relieve the stress and anxiety. We strive so much for our own plans. But John reminds us that that the one thing we really need is the one thing that we can never buy, the, the one thing we could never earn, and that is our status as children of God. Do we hold to that? Much of the source of stress that we have is because of isolation and overwork. There was this study just this last week that was released on Tuesday that talked about isolation among Americans, that it's at epidemic levels. There's it says loneliness among Americans has reached epidemic epidemic levels, according to a health services company. The index, which, sur- which surveyed over 20,000 U.S. adults, found that nearly half of, of, of survey respondents reported sometimes or always feeling alone or left out. And the younger generations, it was even more severe. In Gen Z adults, which they, they classify as ages 18 to 22, they say they are the loneliness, loneliest, according to the reports. More than half of that generation, 18 to 22, identified with 10 of the 11 feelings associated with loneliness, according to the survey, including feeling like people around them are not really with them, and feeling shy, and feeling like no one really knows them well. It's a pretty disturbing trend to see. That 18 to 20-year-olds feel lonely, isolated, on their own. I had someone tell me a few weeks ago that that they view hell not as a place of fire, but as a place of complete isolation from God. Complete and total loneliness. Can you imagine the, the worst torture to have would be to be isolated from all other human interaction. And so that loneliness is significant. This should not be the case in the body of Christ. 
This should be the least lonely place on earth. But many in the room would say that's not true. That we find our place in places of loneliness and isolation, not knowing exactly where we fit in, not feeling like anyone really knows us well. But John reminds us that God has brought us together. There should be no loneliness in the body of Christ. He's, he's brought us together. He's given us the gift of Jesus, offering us a whole new community in which we can live in, both where we can give and receive the love that God has shared with us. That's the community that God has called us to. Will we live into that calling? Because another part of of what John is talking about here is the importance of obedience. The importance of living out the commandments of God. It's, It's out of the love for us as his children that God gives us guidance and about how to conquer the world. How to conquer the stress that comes with this world. John says that that when we love God fully, we will obey his commands. And it it becomes a way in which we can love other children of God, that we should be loving each other. Obedience to God's commandments sounds like a heavy burden. It sounds like something to get stressed out about, something to be anxious about. But John emphasizes that this obedience is what actually sets us free from worry and stress. That if we will be obedient to what he has called us into, we find this freedom We live in a world that has a fire hose of information after us. It bombards us constantly. And it's not in more information, it's not in more study, it's not in more knowledge that we will find a life of freedom. It is living obediently in this call to love God and love others. When we experience the gift of God's love for us, when we experience his grace for us, we're able to orient our lives around the one constant stable thing in the world. Last week we talked about how the world completely changes around us, but God never changes. We hold to that unchanging truth that as the world is a roller coaster around us, as things shift around us, we can stay focused on the one constant we anchor ourselves to that truth. And so when we, we experience the gift of God's love and grace, it becomes this gift around which we can orient our entire lives. Will you orient yourself around the uncertainty of this world? Will you orient yourself around a certain political party? Will you orient yourself around a certain way of living? Or will you orient yourself around the gift of God's Love and grace. Will you orient yourself around that? We focus on the presence of what God is doing in our midst rather than worrying about the future. We focus on what we have in Christ rather on what we don't have. We know the future is secure in Christ. And as I said at the beginning, the text picks me. I did not pick the text. 
because I struggle with this. I wrestle with this. Because it's easy to preach, stay focused on the unchanging God, but the world around me is a mess. And so I too have to figure out how to walk this out every day and every moment. And going from an intellectual understanding of who God is to actually at the depths of my heart living it out. And that's what we're called into every day, taking one step in learning what it means to stay focused on the cross and not on the changing world around us. And as, as I talk through this, know that it's difficult for me, and I also, I do not want to minimalize the difficulty that any of us have in walking this out. Because some of us have things that are attacking us at such intensity that it is hard to pull back the veil and see clearly. I don't want to minimize mental health issues that get in the way of this. I don't want to just oversimplify what it means to be stressed and anxious. I don't want you to hear that, that a simple diagnosis is you just need to pray more. Because there are, are physical, there are mental, there are social things that are at play in each and every one of us to varying degrees. And so we can't oversimplify it. But I do believe that we are in a spiritual battle that is at war for our minds and our bodies and our souls. And he has found ways to manipulate the world around us and manipulate the things in our past and manipulate the things that are going on physiologically in our brains to deceive us. And so as we look at stress and anxiety, we see that there is an enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy But I still have to believe that holding to the unchanging truth of who God is and that I am a child of God, if that is truly our focal point, then the other blurry things around it that are dragging us down, the other blurry things around it that are trying to distract us and derail us, those things start to become a little bit more focused when we focus on the cross. And so will we take that step every day in focusing on who God is and what he has done for us and his love for us? John says that the commandments of God are not burdensome. <laughs> How many of us have, have grown up with a church experience where, where obedience to God is a big burden? We're beat up, we're beat down. But God says, there's freedom in that. That the most life-giving thing for us should be being obedient to what God calls us into. It should be life-giving. It's not to be a burden. And in that obedience, it should be world-conquering. That the world is changed the enemy is defeated when we walk in obedience with what God has called us into. Our response of obedience to God's love should be enough to conquer anything. 
And so, so many of the, the de-stressing things that we turn to are all about escaping the world, getting away from the world. But they're actually things that are trapping us further and further into the cycle of stress and anxiety. We think we're relieving stress when we turn to those different things. But is it really relieving the stress? Or has the enemy trapped us in a new way? Has he isolated us? Has he found ways to divide us? Has he found ways to convince us that if I strive more and do more, then I will find peace. Instead of escaping the world, we should look up and see the world as a place to be claimed in victory. A place that has already been conquered. Verse 5 says, Who is it that conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? When we believe that Jesus has already conquered the world, when we believe that the battle is already won, we have nothing to fear from it. We don't have to be afraid. No one can sell us that kind of peace. There is no device there is no medicine, there, there is no solution that can conquer the world as Jesus has conquered the world. And so Paul echoes what John says here. He reminds the, the Roman church that, that nothing, not even the stress-inducing hardship that they're facing, the, the persecution, the famine, the nakedness, the peril, or the threat of violence, none of that can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ. Paul says we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so peace is possible because the battle has already been won. We just can't see through the fog to see the victory. Jesus himself declares, I have said this to you so that in me you will have peace. In the world you face persecution, but take courage. I have conquered the world. And so each of us deal with stress. We deal with anxiety. We deal with things that are going on in our lives in a variety of ways Sometimes in a very debilitating sort of way. Especially in a time of transition, thinking about graduating high school and, and moving on to college as we celebrate Senior Sunday or, or whatever transition you find yourselves in. It's easy to, to get focused in on what is wrong in this situation. Many of us have thick layers that need to be broken through to get at the heart. And we may have an intellectual understanding, but, but we have yet to see through the fog to see the truth of who God is. Ultimately, real peace comes from knowing that God loves us, knowing that the battle has been won, knowing that God has already conquered the world. We've already been given the gift of peace. Will we embrace it? Will we hold on to it? Will we stay focused in on it? Let's be standing together.
we're going to spend some time in prayer. A time to encourage one another, a time to lift one another up. And, and I, I think many of us find ourselves in places of stress and anxiety. We've, we find ourselves in places of fear. We find ourselves in places of depression. Things are not going the way we thought they should have been going. And so seek out someone to pray with this morning. It could be one of the shepherds down front or, or a life group leader or someone a, a, a across in another pew. We want to encourage you to, to encourage one another. Go, seek someone out to pray with. If you find yourself in a, in a place of peace, a place where you're able to see clearly, use that gift to love one another and go find somebody who needs a word of encouragement, a prayer of encouragement because they're having a hard time seeing through the density, seeing through the fog, and they need the body of believers to hold one another up. That this is not a place of isolation. This is not a place of loneliness. This is a place where we can be embraced fully for who we are and where we're at. So I ask you to engage in this time of prayer as we focus on who Jesus is and the battle that has already been won. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the gift you have given us. We thank you for the peace that comes from knowing your son. God, help us to see that the battle has been won. Even in those moments of darkness, even in those moments of discouragement, when things are not going as planned, I pray that we can see who you are clearly. Help us to be a body that holds one another up and encourages one another, helps one another focus in on that truth. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.